Welcome to our podcast. I am Alicia Swamy. I'm here with Keely Severson. Eric is out for the day and we are exposing mold. Hopefully he'll join in later. We have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Seymour. She's board certified in family medicine and also holds a master's degree in health services administration. She was named a fellow of the American Academy of Family Medicine in 2018, and she currently works as a physician at the Environmental Health Center of Dallas and as a medical consultant for real-time labs in Carrollton, Texas. Dr. Seymour, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the show. Please, please tell us more about you and your experiences working as a physician with the EHCD is what I like to call you guys, your acronym. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So yeah, I was um, board certified in family medicine and got out of residency, had my babies and uh, went into private group practice and uh, private solo practice and just realized that I was hitting a wall of just burnout and exhaustion and thought, is this what my career is going to be the rest of my life? Giving Z-packs and steroids for every sinus infection and a lot of chronic diseases, high cholesterol, high uh, blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, thyroid was like the top four um, diagnosis that I had. And so I just divinely got this email one day from the Institute of Functional Medicine and it said, um, you know, some, some kind of case report that just struck me. And, and I, and I started looking at what do you have to go through to become certified in functional medicine and where do you have to go and how much does it cost and how much do you have to take off and what's a benefit that that would be not just for you as your career, as a, as a physician, but what would the benefit be for your patients? And so I went through that and became certified in functional medicine. And then, um, had a another kind of divine meeting where I met uh, Dr. William J. Ray, Bill Ray, who was the founder of the Environmental Health Center in Dallas or the EHCD. And I was about 30 miles north of Dallas. And he said, well, that's not too far from Dallas. And, you know, he goes, why don't you come work with me, kid? And, and mind you, he was pushing 80 at the time. And I said, okay. Um, so I started working with him at the Environmental Health Center. And, and I always say environmental medicine is like, functional medicine on steroids. It's not just supplements. It's not just detox. It's not just fixing your hormones. It's not just changing your diet. Um, We do, it's not just healing your gut. There's a lot of things that we do in functional medicine that absolutely help our patients. But I felt like I was missing something when I didn't know about environmental medicine. And I especially didn't really understand about molds. And so I came down here and learned with Dr. Ray. We do a lot of skin testing here, which is a type of allergy testing called intradermal provocation neutralization, which provocation doesn't sound fun because it can provocate symptoms for patients. And obviously when these people come here, they've been to hundreds of um, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of lab work and diagnostic workup. They've seen many physicians, even, you know, like institutions like Mayo clinics and those types of places. And they come here and the pressure's on me and our staff to figure out, you know, what do we need to do to get these patients figured out what's causing them their symptoms, what's causing them to feel sick. And it's objective testing when we do skin testing, that's allergy testing. And it proves to them that they're allergic or sensitive to whatever it is that we place on their skin to test. And um, it's insight for them as well. So they get answers. They get very objective answers. A lot of patients can come to me and say, well, you know, I have a headache and I have allergies and my belly hurts and my hands go numb and, you know, all these different types of symptoms that may not be your typical Zyrtec commercial of coffee, wheezy, sneezy, itchy, rashy, congested, watery eye type symptoms, but they have other symptoms. Fatigue is a big one. Fibromyalgia is a big one. And so if we are in a controlled environment and we put something on your skin that that you may be allergic or sensitive to, and it provocates your symptoms, that's not just objective information for me to look at and go, yeah, you got a will and you're allergic to this and you're sensitive and, and standardly you need to avoid it. But it also gives the patient insight to say, hey, skin tester, what did you just put on my skin? Because I'm having all these symptoms when you put that on me. And so we go through a desensitization process where it's allergy shots or allergy drops that we do to help decrease that that immune response. And ultimately what 
what's in the word is we try to desensitize them so that they're able to function in the world and not react to everything that they're becoming reactive to. And mold was the big eye opener for me. What percentage of your patient base would you say are um, mold injured patients? I would say at least 50% of our patients that come and see us are mold injured. Um, We see multiple other kind of odd or, or I would say less common. That's very common for us to see them, but for conventional medicine, it's pretty rare, pretty uncommon for patients to get diagnosed. We see chemical sensitivity. We see um, electromagnetic field sensitivity, um, but I would say at least half of our patients have a known mold exposure. They've had mold testing, be it in their house or their environment and through their body, whether it be allergy testing or testing to see if they have the toxins, which are called mycotoxins from mold within their body. Um, and so we teach all these patients how to, how to deal with that, how to detox it, how to desensitize it, how to support your immune system. How do you live? How do you avoid it? Um, how do you test it? So that is the whole educational process of coming to our environmental health center. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, it, it seems like real-time labs is doing something really unique that we're not seeing from other laboratories and they're including, um, a home test, uh, in, included with their health testing, the urine testing. And I just wanted to just kind of pick those apart. Um, are you seeing a correlation between the two tests when you're working with patients? Like for example, you find a certain type of mycotoxin in their home. Is that matching with their urine tests? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not always, but a majority of the time, what there, there's two types of tests that we can do at um, real-time lab that test for molds and mycotoxins. So the first is what we call an EMMA that stands for, it's not a little girl's name like EMMA, but it stands for Environmental Mold and Mycotoxin Assessment. And it's a dust swab. So you get these Q-tip type um, specimen samples and you go and you swab the area that you see mold. If you smell mold, if you're concerned that there's mold, the water areas like your washing room, your kitchen, um, behind the refrigerator, the AC vents, the ducts, those are the things that we're looking at, window seals. But if you actively see or smell mold, and that's where you can swab your area of your home, it does not just test for molds, but it also tests for the mycotoxins. And that's kind of the difference between an ERMI test and an EMA test, an ERMI test does a lot of different things that come up with what's your number of whether or not you have a high or a serious concern for mold counts. Um, real-time tests for the molds, but also they test for the correlating mycotoxins that the molds produce. And that is the environmental home or, or work or wherever you want to test in, in a building, essentially. The other test that real-time does, which really bridge the gap, again, with objectiveness, is if a patient came to me and said, I lived in a moldy house and, you know, we had the ice apocalypse here in February of 2021 in Texas, and there were hundreds of thousands of pipes in people's homes that busted and their workplaces. So all I could see when the electricity did come back on and the heat did come back on was mold, 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 mold all over the internet, just like we just saw with Um, the hurricane in Florida, you see all these videos of water flooding in these homes and these buildings. And I just see that's going to be a setup for mold growth. So that's why the EMA was so important. But then we bridge that with a urine test from the patient and we see, do the mycotoxins correlate with what's coming back from wherever they did their dust swab, if it's their workplace or their home place. Thank you for that. Thank you for also mentioning kind of the natural disasters that we've been experiencing in the nation. And I'm just curious when these events um, tend to happen, do you see an uptick in your patient base increase because absolutely. people are injured from these situations? Yes, absolutely. Um, we could take Hurricane Harvey that happened in Houston. Um, that was a tough one because literally the amount of water that that Houston got covered in um, it was heartbreaking. My husband actually took off of dove season and hunting season to go down there and, and help out. And a lot of people, you know, Louisiana's patients and people and Texans, we all came together to help Houston, Texas when they were affected by Harvey. But we know that a lot of homes from that, that time period, even vehicles 
um, were flooded and they, you know, ripped out the furniture and replaced the carpet and um, replaced things in it. But if you didn't test it and sanitize it and clean it for mold and mycotoxins, that that would be a setup for some type of fungal growth. So yes, the environmental disasters are a big concern, whether it be a hurricane, whether it be a flood, even a tornado, an ice storm, um, you know, losing your electricity, it's an issue. Yeah. I was reading in the um, the media the other day how I think it was Hurricane Ian that had hit Florida recently that they're having an increase in red tide and mm-hmm. brain eating amoeba bacteria issues. And yeah. my gosh, it's just, it's a disaster when, when these types of natural disasters happen, it's just really bad for people's health. So that's really, um, that's great that you guys are able to help these people who are becoming sick from these issues. Now, when someone comes to see you who is mold injured, um, like how do you guys run through this? Like there's a lot of mold injured patients that we know that are so sensitive that it, even if they take a drop of good grief, charcoal, you know, they're, they're put into the ER because their body is freaking out. Like, how do you deal with this patient base and, and well, treat them? We, we really start off with the environment. And I say that is foundational, um, which is avoidance. So I always give the example, let's say Dr. Seymour is deathly allergic and anaphylactic to peanuts. Um, there are restaurants down here in Texas called Texas Roadhouse. And I love Texas Roadhouse, but they serve peanuts. And so you used to go in before COVID and they had these big barrels. You just put your hands in, grab some peanuts and start cracking away. And um, if I had an anaphylactic allergy, it would not be smart or prudent of me to walk in there to go eat a steak or whatever I wanted for dinner. Um, because even though I didn't ingest a peanut, I'm still get through my skin getting exposed to peanut dust and an allergen. And if that made me go and close up my throat and swell up my tongue and I get hives and urticaria and an anaphylactic reaction, then obviously that's a serious, bad, the worst case scenario or allergic reaction you can have. I'm going to give myself an EpiPen. I'm going to go to the ER. I'm going to get fluids. I'm going to get Benadryl. I'm going to get steroids. And hopefully I live and I don't ever do that again. So standard for any allergist or any sensitive or allergic patient is to practice avoidance. But how do you do that with mold? Because this is the problem that especially conventional doctors and the general public believe is what's the big deal? Mold's everywhere. Mold's outside. The difference between that and like a pollen allergy, if you come to Texas, especially Austin to, you know, the I-35 corridor from Dallas to Oklahoma City, that is allergy capital of the world to me, especially during the spring, because everything blossoms, blooms, and blows in the wind, and we inhale it. And a lot of people get your typical Zyrtec commercial symptoms. And so they're going to use antihistamines, and they're going to use intranasal steroids. They're going to go get a sinus infection and get an antibiotic. They're going to go get a steroid shot. And if it works, that's great. But there's a lot of risk associated with recurrent steroid usage. Um, So that's what we try to teach everybody is it's not just patients, but it's also healthcare providers and practitioners and physicians. The difference between a pollen and a mold is you can be allergic to both of them, but the pollens don't produce a mycotoxins. The molds produce a mycotoxin, which is severely bad and can can kill and can hurt a human being. It can hurt a horse. It can hurt a dog. And it, we're all mammals, so it can hurt a human being. And there are a lot of um, studies that show the risk of uh, liver cancers and and liver failure and cirrhosis with aflatoxin. Um, And then just the overall immune dysfunction that occurs when you have mycotoxin exposure. So that's what we start with is the first thing is if you're allergic to it, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, which means clean up your environment. Don't live in mold. Don't, you know, have mycotoxins. If you do see mold, if you do smell mold, have an environmental specialist come in and assess. Yes, you have this type of mold and this is where it is. And this is the pipe that's leaking, or this is the shingle on the roof, or this is the problem with your AC and your humidity and ventilation controls. Um, Have a professional come in and assess. And then the other part of that is to remediate it, get out or rip it out and clean it and replace it. Um, Those are the ways you help yourself heal and become less sensitized. And so we see 
the worst of the worst. They're not just sensitive to mold. They're sensitive to weird stuff. Like I can't go out and smell chemicals and I can't use scented products and I can't eat this kind of food. And now I'm allergic to my dog and I've never been allergic to my dog before. Now I have grass allergy and I've never had a grass allergy problem. What is it? So they start to get that spreading effect, as I call it, where the immune system is turned on and so primed and so hyper-reactive that it starts to react to everything. And um, we see the patients with the severe food allergies and they'll come in and they'll say, you know, I, I used to be able to eat anything. And now every time I eat, I get brain fog or I get a headache or I get nauseous and I vomit or I have abdominal pain and diarrhea and I get, you know, constipated, bloated. Um, that's your gut telling you that you're having gut symptoms and even brain symptoms and that you could be allergic to something that you're eating. And they'll say, well, it's organic. It's gluten free. It's dairy free. Those are all great things to practice organic eating and to practice, you know, gluten-free. And if you're allergic to dairy, dairy-free type foods. Um, but if you start reacting to simple things like chicken and spinach or avocado or whatever it is that you eat, then Houston, we have a problem because what do you have to have as a human being to live? You got to have oxygen, water, and food. And when you lose food or you lose oxygen or you lose water, you're not going to live very long and you're going to become malnourished. And you're not going to make your neurotransmitters and your hormones. And then you're going to wonder, why am I so tired? Why am I not sleeping? Well, why am I depressed? Why do I feel malaise? Um, so these are the, the common patients that we see. They usually start off with a known mold exposure. Maybe they don't know. And that's why we recommend the Emma. Some people say, well, I don't think I have mold in my house, but how old is the home? Was it, does it, is it in Houston? Was it pre 2015, I think was when Harvey, 15 or 16? Was it pre Harvey? Um, you know, did it get flooded? So you have to start asking these questions to see, did they just cover something up or did they actually really check for mold? I have, there's so many questions sputtering in my mind right now after, <laughs> after all that. And I just yeah. I love what you were saying and I really do appreciate it. And yeah. so the, the, the first question I have, just going back to the diet, um, you know, there's these, these groups that pop up on Facebook that talk about oxalates being the main problem. Um, what is your opinion on the oxalate issue? Uh, I mean, that, that is definitely a part of it. It is not the only thing though, just like, you know, gluten sensitivities. It's not the only thing. These are, these are, um, problems that start to layer and, and that the, all those things add up, you can have um, an oxalate problem. You can have a genetic SNP where you don't detoxify well. You can be allergic to the food sources of your supplements, which is why you may not be able to tolerate supplements. And people go, but wait a minute, this is vitamin C. This is supposed to be a good antioxidant. It's supposed to prevent cancer. Shouldn't I be able to take vitamin C? Well, if you don't realize that most of your food sources Specifically, vitamin C comes from ascorbic acid, which is or citric acid, which is corn. Well, what if you have a corn allergy? You know how much corn we eat in Texas? We have Tex-Mex. So we eat corn chips and corn tortillas, and we drink Coca-Cola with corn syrup. And so we're exposed to it all the time. And um, you know, again, patients don't they either don't know that, they don't understand that. Um, and so they may say, Well, I can't take this specific type of vitamin C. I get sick with it. Well, is it because you took too much? Is it because you're allergic to it? Um, are you allergic to the actual food source where it comes from? So that's what we deal with with patients that say, I'm, I can't take anything. I can't eat anything. I can't go anywhere. I can't smell anything. Um, we have to take it a, a day at a time. And we use kind of a, a judicious process of trying to go through each variable. Um, but, but again, if you lose your food, we have a problem and we don't have long to get that, to get that better, but yes, oxalates, detox snips, genetic snips, many things cause inflammation, but I, I don't really focus so much on oxalates. You can modify your diet and such to help prevent buildup of that, but it's not a, it's not a, a big game changer in our practice to say yeah. Thank you for that. Cause I, I definitely feel like, uh, yeah, like exactly what you said. It's a layered issue. It's not the oxalates per se, where people will say, well, it's just the oxalates and this is my problem. And 
you know how people are, but, um, I feel like in, in terms of my personal situation, I mean, I was, I was that type of person where like, I could barely eat any food. I was down to three foods. And as soon as I started practicing avoidance, I was able to eat anything and everything that I wanted, you know? <laughs> so I was like really happy. for yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just wondering, um, you know, are you finding are, like in your pe- professional opinion and your experience, are you finding toxic mold kind of being this, prime sensitizing agent that's kind of creating all these secondary sensitivities where people never had these sensitivities before? It, it can be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a common thing. Um, there's something that changes in a person's environment. So simple things. If I eat junk and I smoke cigarettes and I live in a moldy house and the roof is leaking water every time it rains and I see it growing on my wall and I don't do anything about it. And I start to feel sick, tired and overweight. And then naturally, if I'm going to go see my healthcare practitioner, they're going to say, hey, Seymour, quit smoking cigarettes and and quit eating junk food and the standard American sad diet and get that mold out of your house. Um, So that's exactly what what we are trying to teach our patients is, again, first start off with the environment. Are there things in your environment that you can mitigate, fix, remediate or avoid? Um, And then the next thing we move on to is your immune system to make sure you don't need an immune support. Then we move on to the skin testing to prove to you what you're allergic to. So that's where we go through the food testing with the patient. And we would tell them if you had a bad reaction to this, you probably want to avoid it. Doesn't mean you can't ever eat it. But if you get anaphylaxis to it, you don't want to, you know, consume it again and you want to practice avoidance. But when you do that, where you start to clean up your environment, clean up your foods, eat clean, organic rotation type diet, elimination diet foods, where the foods are not highly inflammatory, like gluten or like dairy, you're going to start to decrease that overall load of inflammation and patients start to feel better. And they'll say, Hey, I got my brain back or, Hey, I don't get headaches every time I eat or, Hey, I don't get bloating every time I eat. Um, So yeah, each it's like a grain of, of salt or sand. You know, I always tell people I, we have a picture of something called our barrel and that's what I call our detox barrel. And when I say detox, I'm not just talking alcohol and drugs. Yes, that's a form of detoxification. If you withdraw from that and stop using it and avoid it. But I'm talking, how do you truly detoxify? If you can imagine if you put my body in like a large wine barrel, um, and I did all those things. I smoked and did drugs and drank alcohol and, you know, used a bunch of chemicals and lived in mold. And let's say I had a traumatic event happen and I got sprayed with a pesticide in my environment because I live on a farm. All these things start to add up. And then let's say, God forbid, I get COVID or a virus or a bacteria. And it's like, what's the thing that that filled her up that broke the camel's back? Okay. It can be one thing. It can be an acute thing. That's a like a toxic injury. Um, we have patients that come to us that got uh, sprayed by chemicals from flyovers. They live, you know, on a farming community. They didn't realize they were the, how bad pesticides can be and the neurologic effects that it can have on them. And they get sprayed. And some people go, I don't get sick with pesticides, but maybe this person does because they don't detox well, because they have genetic problems, because they eat a bad diet, because their air is contaminated. So all these things start to build up and then they go, okay, now I'm coming to the environmental health center in Dallas because I'm so sick. And that's where we have to also work on how do we lower their load where they're not drowning in toxins? How do you truly detoxify um, and support that normal physiology of, are you drinking enough water? Are you urinating? Are you sweating? Are you having bowel movements normally to get toxins out? Um, So it's it's the barrel effect as we call it. And we always tell people, you got to lower your load or empty your barrel because these things add up to it. And that's what makes people sick. But those are kind of the four parameters that we deal with is the avoidance and just learning about your environment, the immune system, the skin testing and desensitization, and the detoxification of your barrel. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Home Cleanse, formerly known as All American Restoration, is a company that specializes in improving indoor air quality through proper mold remediation, offering services nationwide. You can visit them at homecleanse.com to learn more. 
The Mold Guy performs mold sampling and testing for homeowners, renters, and businesses. Please visit themoldguyinc.com to learn more. Black Diamond Services provides solutions to the unforeseen challenges that can affect homes and families with no out-of-pocket costs. Services include temporary housing relocation and mold test referrals for homeowners. Visit blackdiamondservices.com to learn more. Great Plains Laboratory provides toxic exposure testing to those living in compromised environments. Tests include the Mycotox panel that tests for mycotoxins in urine samples and the Envirotox panels tests for environmental chemicals in the urine and provides an overall metabolic snapshot of a patient's health. Visit gp-labs.com to learn more. Thank you again for your sponsorships. It is integral to our ability to serve our community and to improve the quality of life for all. Now, I know that your um, organization, the clinic, you guys kind of do like a, I don't know if you still do this, but um, an in-residency program. Do you guys have um, maybe safe housing for people to come and, you know, detox for the two weeks or, or however you guys do it? Because this seems to be the major issue with this patient population is they can't get away from the mold or their living situation is really sticky and they can't just get up and go or the remediation failed. So they're trying to scramble and figure out, should I sell? Should I rent? Um, Or people just trying to get out of their lease. This is the number one complaint we always find is people having a hard time finding a healthy environment. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so how do you guys guide your patients with that? Or, or do you offer some sort of safe housing for, for treatment? We have recommendations for safe housing. I don't own the homes. I don't, I don't do any kind of financial thing with, with these places. But um, Dr. Ray used to have a patient that his wife was extremely sick. And he got this person's, he's got the guy's wife, you know, healed and got better. And they learned about environmental medicine and mold toxicity. And so he built condos and then he also has cottages in the Dallas Metroplex area. Cottages are more out in the country. The condos are um, in near downtown Dallas. Um, And so we have we have those types of places where patients can stay. They don't use chemicals there. You know, there's no mold. There's low electromagnetic fields as much as you can control within Dallas, um, Dallas, Texas. And um, and then we have a list of some other places that are like certain hotels that if it's a specific patient, they can be in this room all the way down to the end and away from the Wi-Fi routers if they have electromagnetic field sensitivity. Or you can go to this place and they won't use chemicals when they clean. Or you can go to this hotel because they don't have mold there and they use air filters. And uh, so there's different things with every patient that they may become sensitive to that we offer. But we don't specifically have something that we own yet that we can say, hey, we offer housing for you. But that is definitely the biggest issue. And it's a it's an issue that we don't take lightly either because when you tell a patient, specifically if it's their home or their workplace that they have mold, that affects their livelihood. It's not easy for me to roll off my tongue. You need to get out of your home. But sometimes that is the best thing if it needs to be, you know, if it's uninhabitable and needs to be condemned and, you know, burnt down or torn down and re- restarted. You're taking away their investment, maybe the way that they make a living, where's their job, where their kids go to school, um, where's their family and their support. And then we have to help them figure out where are they going to live? You know, I, I, I don't tell people specifically where to live. You know, you need to go to this city or this state. But I do t- talk about the environment and the differences in environments. Is it dry or is it wet or is it been flooded? Are there, you know, more counts of mold there? Is there a high pollen count? Is there a horrible electromagnetic field exposure there? You know, are there a lot of chemicals in the environment? So they have to learn that. And, and I'm not the one that, you know, holds the weight to say, oh, you have to move to this place because that's the only place you're going to heal. Patients will learn that as they go. Absolutely. That's, that's something that we do here at Exposing Mold is how teach people basically how to navigate their environments because we see there is a, a patient base like Keely, Eric, and I, we're all very hypersensitive. No matter what we do, we always have this longstanding reactivity similar to what you discussed earlier of someone who has a peanut reactivity. So we have to live um, a modified life. Um, and so it's kind of 
it's interesting. Um, it's definitely mm-hmm. not um, <laughs> ideal, but you know, I, I'm just very grateful to have that knowledge. Um, and then speaking of patient outcomes, so with the way that you guys are your methodology and treatment and awesome that you had a patient to provide condos and, and housing, that's so cool. Um, are you finding people getting well from these methods and treatments that you guys are providing for your patients? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can give you a percentage and and I'm not going to sugarcoat that every single patient we can guarantee you will get better. Um, and a lot of that comes back to what are they doing and are they living in a clean environment and are they detoxing and are they supporting their immune system? Are they desensitizing? Um, you know, if they're eating junk food every day, that's full of pesticides and laden with chemicals and GMO and things like that, then they're probably not going to get well. Okay. Um, but the majority of the patients that come down here, by the time they see us, when I say the pressure's on, um, I see one to two, what I call Mayo failures a week. I, I don't like that. And I think that's sad and unfortunate that people go to these major institutions and they don't get answers or they don't get help. Um, and so we're just trying to do the best we can at um, teach them, help them have insight and be informed and show them why these treatments work. And, and I hear it from them, you know, they'll tell me I'm chemically sensitive. I took your, you know, chemical antigens and I can function. And when a woman walks by with perfume, I don't get an immediate headache or I don't, you know, lose my brain and have brain fog or I don't vomit. Um, obviously I would tell her avoid walking around somebody who's wearing heavy laden perfume if you're allergic to it, but you also have to be able to live. And so what we're trying to aspire to give patients is to get back to function. Can you live and function in the world today? Um, even with your assault or injury that you had, be it a chemical, be it a mold, be it a mycotoxin, whatever it may be. Thank you for that, Dr. Seymour. We're just wondering, um, do you see people basically relapse in their symptoms when they go back to their homes or moldy locations? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely can. Um, I have numerous patients that have had to unfortunately learn the hard way and they learn the lesson um, that like, I'll give you an example. I had a lady that uh, lived in a historic home, beautiful wallpaper, you know, like just gorgeous historic home. And it was full of mold and she was having lots of unusual non-allergy like symptoms. She'd get her allergies and her sinus infections once or twice a year, but she was having neuropathy she was having insomnia. She was having severe anxiety. And again, most people don't associate a mental health symptom with a allergy to mold or mycotoxins. But when I say objectiveness is objectiveness, if you're in our skin testing room and we put a mold on you that's growing in your historic home and you're calm and stable because you're in a controlled environment and then boom, your anxiety comes back. You're going to have to think, hey, what what just happened? What changed in my environment? And what changed in your environment is we just put a mold on you and we can objectively see that the amount that we put on you will to turn red and it's swollen. Um, and that tells us that you're allergic to it. But that's that provocation method that shows people, hey, my anxiety isn't necessarily it's all in my head. It's a mental health problem. It could be something in your environment that's causing anxiety or insomnia. So that's really um, a rewarding thing to teach patients that, and I, I don't really care what this, well, I shouldn't say I don't care. It doesn't, I do care. It doesn't change my treatment approach, no matter what their symptom is, because there's hundreds of symptoms that people can have, but you have to get out of the mindset that it's just the, you know, in the box Zyrtec commercial. And it's not always, it can be, but it's not always. Um, so yeah, that's what we, that's what we're trying to, trying to teach them about. And this is this lady who lived in the historic home, she had a severe allergy to mold and she went back in her house after she did a bunch of detox and um, antigen therapy and, and immune support. And she tested her home and there was mold in it and her symptoms came right back. And so she knew she had to get out. So she went, you know, down Florida and did better and got fresh air and felt normal. And then she went back. And so the question there after three times is, oh my gosh, am I going to have to tell this woman that she needs to sell her historic home and get out of there and start anew? 
it's not necessarily for me to tell her. She's going to figure that out. She's going to realize how sick she gets and how symptomatic she is and, and then decide, you know, do you want to be sick and continue to have symptoms? Or do you want to get out of there and feel better and have your brain and not have anxiety and not have, you know, idiopathic neuropathy and nerve burning. And um, so, you know, that when they get sick enough and symptomatic enough, the the eyes get open and, and they see what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's sort of our, our precursor, like thing that we tell people and clients that work with us, like, Go on a mold hiatus is what we call it. Leave your home to even see if the home is the issue for you. You know, if you leave and you feel better and you go back and you feel worse, then there's that connection, you know, right there. And so I feel like it it is hard for people to come to terms with their home making them ill because people are so invested in their home. Exactly. It's a, a huge financial investment. I mean, real estate, like that's the majority of what, you know, people it's not just their 401ks, but it's mostly their home that they're putting their investment in. And again, it's not an easy snap of my finger that you can just pick up and move. And who's to say you won't move into another moldy, moldy home. So it's very important that you, you know, you find a place, you know, where you're going, you build it and you, you do the best you can to either make sure it does not have mold. And if it does get it fixed before you move in, uh, we talk about cross-contamination and all those things. Um, It's just, it's a major education and a huge learning curve for patients. That's for sure. Absolutely. Definitely is. I I definitely think Keely and I agree with that. (laughs) Learning from Eric and all of this tactics and strategies on how to avoid and reduce contamination is definitely Definitely challenging um, to say the least, but um, I wanted to ask you a question about your provocation method. I know real-time labs does test for trichothecine producing molds. Do you guys test for that? Do you, are you able to do skin allergy tests with the trichothecines? Yeah, we test for mycotoxins, gliotoxin, aflatoxin, ochratoxin, trichothecine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. And do you see when, when you um, perform that particular provocation test with those uh, mold types uh, specifically, do you see um, like a reaction right away from your patients? Like what have you uh, have observed clinically in terms of um, ASP pen versus a, a, maybe a stachybotrys or something uh, provocation test? Well, I don't necessarily notice a huge difference between is it, you know, aspergillus or penicillium or stachybotrys or ketonium or what, I mean, that that's the mold. And then the connection is the mold produces the mycotoxin, but we can skin test molds. We can skin test the mycotoxins um, and realize we're not taking a concentrate of gliotoxin and injecting it in your body. We're taking antigenic dosages, very, very small dosages in an amount. And we're, we're putting in a measured amount. So if this is your skin and it's flat, we take our needle, we just go underneath the skin. And let's say we're testing dog. We put dog, you know, at a certain measured amount, and then we wait 10 to 20 minutes. And, and, and within that time period, we're measuring it to see, did that measured amount that did it grow into a wheel? Because if it gets bigger, if it's swollen, um, we're feeling and we're measuring. And that's how you objectively know. I always tell patients proof of the pudding is in your skin. I cannot look at your skin and make it react. If I put some type of incitant in it that makes it react, if this was dog and, and he or she willed up, I'd say you're allergic to dogs. So what does that mean? Don't have 10 dogs. Don't let them sleep in your bed. Don't wake up when they're on the pillow with you and you have swollen eyes and congested and didn't sleep well and you're tired and wonder why you don't feel good because you're exposed to something that you're allergic to. Um, So yes, we can test for those different mycotoxins and molds and and correlate. Um, Happens every day in our office. You you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Mold testing is hard. And when you come down here, nobody wants to stay here and go one by one and test one mold at a time and one food at a time and one dog at a time and one pollen at a time and one chemical and one mycotoxin. But we do it one at a time because we don't want any other variables that can affect and be changed in your environment. And that's the information and insight that they get. So if I was sitting there and I was allergic to trichothecene and you put trichothecene on me and I started having whatever symptom and reaction that I had, 
that's going to be the knowledge and the information that I need to go, hey, Seymour, you were really reacted to this on your skin. Best to avoid it. But if it's a toxin, you definitely want to detox it. And if you can't avoid it, if you live in humid areas that are wet, moldy, humid, hot, like this perfect Petri dish and setup for mold growth, then you probably need to do desensitization therapy. Keely Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold-injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health and the environment that she was living in. Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement for mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure, and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. Keely's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families, relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keely, please visit exposingmold.com slash consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N. S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today. I have a question for you. Sure. If some molds and mycotoxins can cause immune suppression, could you ever have like a lower negative result that's false? From so like the immune question, what do you mean? What's a lower negative? Like your immune system testing is low? Yeah, like I'm just wondering, since some molds and mycotoxins can actually stop the immune system from reacting normally or functioning normally, could it be possible that like a non-response or a low response is actually from immune suppression? Like, could there ever be an inaccurate or not fully accurate result because of the immune suppressive qualities of some molds and mycotoxins is my question. Well, okay. Yes to both. So the mycotoxin known to be an immunosuppressant, we do an immune evaluation here that takes into account something called a CMI, which is a cell mediated immunity test that tells us how well your, your soldiers are functioning. And then, um, I mean, you could have a false positive or false negative, but basically what it is, it's a board test with a bunch of needles. So um, it's not an allergy test, but we have this like board and we take your skin and we make an impression and then we take it off and we read it in 48 hours. And that tells us about um, overall delayed reactions. And and so I was going to go back to Alicia's comment is we can see symptoms immediately on the skin, but it is true that you can also have a delayed reaction. So we read your cell mediated immunity or CMI in 48 hours. 
And normally if we put eight things, I don't have eight fingers, but if we put eight things on your, on your skin in 48 hours, you need to have at least a 50% response where you have at least four wheels or reactions where those needles went, because those are things that you're naturally exposed to that you're going to have a reaction to if your immune system is working properly. If it does not work properly, I tell patients, it's like you can have a billion soldiers in your body to go fight World War III, but if you get exposed to COVID and you need to go fight it and kill it, your soldiers, no offense to my military. I love these vets and these guys and these girls, but your soldiers are drinking, smoking, chasing cars, playing playing with girls in the barracks, AWOL or missing in action. So I don't care how many soldiers you have if they're not going to the definitive battle. And so we also do objective blood testing for the immune system. We look at gamma globulin levels. We look at uh, T cells, B cells, complement And we can see certain markers of your immune system that tell us, number one, are you low? And there's there's no one that's just going to have a low immune system unless you're born like bubble boy with primary immunodeficiency. Majority of us are not bubble boy or bubble girl that have to live and can't be exposed to anything in the world. We get that development because there's something in our environment like the mold or the mycotoxin that we become sensitive to, but it also poisons us. And then we get the immune dysfunction. I've seen immune dysfunction in kids. I've seen autoimmune disorders in kids. I've seen a ton of cancers, unfortunately. And that's why the immune system evaluation is so important. So yes, can you have a, like, let's say I draw your blood and I send it to a reference lab and I say, okay, Keely, you've got, you know, low T cells or low B cells. Could there be a false negative or a false, could there be a variation in the actual level? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a part of science and sensitivity and specificity of testing, but bottom line is, is there are certain um, reference ranges and standards uh, that they're looking at? So if you have low T cells or low B cells or low natural killer cells, that is an answer to you objectively. I can't look at the lab or your blood and make that number up. There's certain metrics that are met with these lab um, lab machines and these types of tests that we do. So yeah, you can have a possible false negative or false positive, but in general, if it's low, there's something that caused that. And most likely it's something that's an immune suppressant like the mycotoxin like a virus, like a bacteria, many things can cause your immune system to be depressed or not work properly. And that's where we get into the realm of all the autoimmune disorders, thyroid, rheumatoid arthritis, polymyalgia rheumatica, Shrogan's. I don't know why your immune system turned on and decided to start attacking your thyroid. And now you have Hashimoto's or Graves disease, but we can objectively measure those levels and tell you, yes, you have Hashimoto's. Yes, you have Graves disease. Yes, you have a rheumatoid factor that's off the roof. Yes, your you know anti-nuclear antibody ANA is high. Those are all signs and tells that are telling you that your immune system's not working properly. And you may be symptomatic, you may not, but it's a it's a early early you know concern and an early sign that you need to be aware of this and that your immune system's not working properly and it's turning against your own body and your own organs. Or let's hope you don't get exposed to a significant pathogen or toxin because you may not be able to get rid of it very well. You may not be able to fight it. I literally tell patients your immune system is 24 hours a day, you know, 360 surveying the body all day, every day. And if it sees like this weird thing is COVID, it's going to say, hey, buddy, you're foreign, you're foe, you're bad, you're not meant to be here. You could kill us. So what we're going to do is kill you. And that's when you call in your soldiers and your troops to come and get rid of the flu or the strep strep or the staff or the COVID or the toxin or whatever it is that is not supposed to be in your body. And that's why people feel like crap when they get the flu. That's why people feel sick and malaise when they get COVID. That's why people feel horrible and on death's bed when they get a bad pneumonia from a bacterial infection because you can't breathe and you can't oxygenate and you've got inflammation going all over your body. But the point of that is most of these infections are acute and you get over them once your immune system kicks in and kills the problem and you bounce back. That's the difference between an an infection 
and a toxin, especially if every time you go home, you get sick and you get exposed to this mycotoxin every day and your barrel just starts filling up. That's such a good point that you make about going home and getting sick from the exposure. Because one thing that I've noticed is when people go to these centers to stay for a few weeks or a few months, like in Mexico or, you know, the retreats, the wellness retreats, it's like they go and they drop all this money and they come home and they relapse the second they're in their moldy house. And I'm just wondering, do you guys do any like pre-screening to say like, oh, yeah. You checked yes on 28 questions that indicate you live in a water damaged building. Maybe you should focus on that instead of coming here and spending $30,000 because (laughs) when you leave, you're going to have a financial crisis over your house. I'm just wondering. Absolutely. I mean, that's. You guys do that process with people? Oh, yeah. That's standardly what we do. So it's in our environmental clinical history questionnaire that the things we're going to be asking her about, you know, um, what do you eat? What supplements do you take? What medicines, what surgeries, what about a family history? Um, you know, do you smoke, do you drink? And then we start going into what year was your house built? Do you have any known, you know, natural disasters? Did you have any floods? Do you have any leaks? Do you have, um, you know, spots on your ceiling? Do you, um, smell mold? Is there a musky odor? And then we get into, and patients will commonly tell me that's when the light bulb goes up, goes off. I went on vacation and I felt so much better. And then I came back and I got sick again. It's not just because you're not working and you're on vacation in Mexico and you're getting fresh air and you're eating clean, great foods. And that, that you, I mean, obviously everybody psychologically and mentally feels better. I wish I could go on vacation the rest of my life, but I can't. So naturally, yes, if I take a week to go somewhere and I feel better, and then I come back to that if it's my home and it's moldy, then I'm going to get sick. And that's when people go light bulb. Oh my gosh, there's a connection. I'm sick in my house or I'm sick in my workplace or I'm sick in this building. Um, But I feel better when I go, when I'm away. So yeah, those are all things that we come up with in their questionnaire um, that we ask every single patient. And sometimes we'll see people that just, you know, come to see me because I want to be their GP and, you know, their family doc and just do a physical and preventative medicine. That's great. That's refreshing. Those are easy. Um, But the majority of the patients that I see are seeking us out and coming to see me because they have an environmental or a medical problem or chemical sensitivity or something weird that they can't get answers to and they can't figure out. That's why I say environmental medicine is like functional medicine on steroids. You're asking, I mean, our our questionnaires, I think it's over 20 pages, our initial clinical history, because we have to know these things so that we can kind of hone in and be Sherlock Holmes of, is it really your home or is it not? And then we tell them, test your home. It's it's simple. You can do air samples. You can do mold plates. You can do ERMI. You can do EMMA. Um, and we test yourself. We test your urine to see if you have toxins in your body. So then you start to make the connections. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Seymour. Keely or Eric, do you guys have any last questions for her before we leave for the day? Yeah, my question is, why aren't the CDC, NIH, Mayo Institute, all these major research um, people coming to ask you about this? <laughs> oh, and that's a loaded question, Eric. If I could answer that, I would. But it probably comes down to politics and money. If you want me to be frank, I, I, I don't control the CDC and the NIH and the FDA and the USDA. And I'm not a regulatory agency. Um, so you'd have to ask that question, but it is an unfortunate thing if we don't know and we're not letting this information get out and we're not teaching it to our medical students and our doctors and our naturopaths and our nurses and our radiation technologists and anybody that's going into healthcare needs to know that the environment is just as important as your genetics is just as important as what you eat and what you breathe and what you drink. Um, it's all important, but I, I wish I could, we'd, we'd have to have hours to go off of that, that question. And have Alicia it. has uh, actually been on various symposiums of the EPA, the uh, NIH, the chronic fatigue syndrome institutes, mm-hmm. um, the, the top researchers and asking them these questions why aren't they responding to these environmental issues 
Why aren't they telling people about it? And they simply refuse to respond. They act like they know all about it, when obviously by their actions, they know absolutely nothing. Well, I will tell you, I mean, I'm board certified family medicine, you know, fellow of American Academy of Family Medicine. Um, I, I probably in med school, I remember pathology, obviously. And I remember like fungal balls in the lung and aspergillus balls, but I, I, and then I remember learning during clinicals in med school with an allergist that would do, you know, allergy tests and say, yeah, they have a mold allergy. And, and that was it. I, I'd never even heard of a mycotoxin to be honest in med school or residency. And so your general practitioners, unless you're an allergy doctor, you're just not, I mean, unless you're in rural Texas and you're delivering babies and circumcising them and doing an urgent care in an outpatient and inpatient and, and being a general family doc, and you're the only doctor, then you may do allergy testing. But most of our internists and general practitioners and family docs don't do allergy testing. I was actually doing that in my functional medicine practice. I called it Seymour Results, get it? And um, I learned that when I started doing cardiometabolic testing, we had all these patients that we did inflammatory markers on. And we did nonspecific tests like fibrinogen, homocysteine, myloperoxidase, HSCRP, C-reactive protein. And I could see 95% of my patients that came in just to get a physical and a standard blood work had inflammatory markers that were high. And so I would start asking them, there are only four categories that cause your inflammation to go up. Trauma, be it a surgery or somebody runs over your toe or you get you know, kicked by Jean-Claude Van Damme or, or whatever, a trauma or an injury, an allergy, a toxin or an infection. So infections I had down, well, I can give you an antibiotic, I can give you an antiviral. Uh, trauma, I mean, again, try not, you know, wear a helmet, try not to do things that hurt you and injure you. Be careful with surgeries. Know that those are cuts and yeah, they're medically important, but maybe it's a trauma to your skin, to your vascular system, to your muscle, to your fascia. And then the last two were toxins and allergies. So I started doing allergy testing in my office, conventional prick testing to see if they had allergies. And I would ask them, well, you get four sinus infections a year and you come to see me and get antibiotics and steroids, maybe we should figure out what's causing you to get the sinus infection. It's generally allergies and you can skin test the patient and put them on antigen therapy to desensitize them. But the last one was detox. And that's where I got my foot into functional medicine. I'm like, what's toxins? What's detox? Because you really don't learn about that stuff in, in medical school. So that's how I met Dr. Ray. I, I had my own functional medicine practice. I was seeing, you know, hundreds of patients a month. I mean, sorry, not a month, but like over a year. And I did all the functional medicine stuff and 95% of them got better. But there was five out of a hundred that didn't get better. They paid you good money. You did all the evaluation. They did exactly as you said. They changed their diet. They took their supplements. They healed their gut. They detoxed. And um, I didn't realize that I was missing. A big part of that was the patients were in living in mold. They were mold sensitive and they had mycotoxins. Um, so that's again, why I say I met Dr. Ray and I learned about it, but there does need to be more of an education and a vocalism and, um, a push to teach the, the healthcare industry about this. It is not something that you just turn a blind eye to. You can see it. You, it's a fungus. You can see it grow on mold plates. You know, there's mold there. You can objectively skin test it. And the mycotoxins are a big a big issue because we know they are really damaging and have ill do human effects to your health. Um, so we do need more to advocates and we do need more people to either, you know, be our congressmen and senators and, and work in the institutions and be a voice and an advocate. Thank you so much, Dr. Seymour. We really do appreciate your time and energy of put into this conversation. It was just wonderful so many golden nuggets and we just really appreciate just you and the work that you're doing. And I'm sure that, um, you know, you you battle your own issues with allopathic doctors. I'm sure people bad mouthing your organization when you guys are actually doing the real work out here and really helping people. So I, I do want you to know that you are appreciated and we're very thankful for you and, uh, also for real time labs. So thank you so much, my dear. And, uh, 
if anyone wants to, I guess, work with the Environmental Health Center of Dallas, um, where can they get in touch with you or your team? Sure. We're online. Just so if you can get online and use electricity and the internet, our website is the acronym for Environmental Health Center. So it's www.ehcd.com. And uh, you can call us too and speak with our patient coordinator at 214-368-4132. And I'm also available to physicians and practitioners. If you do um, a mycotoxin test and you say, I've never done this before, where do I start? What do I do? Uh, I, I'm a consultant for real-time labs. I'm happy to speak with other physicians and practitioners of how, where do you start? What do you do? What do you tell the patient? How do you help? Um, so I appreciate real-time lab having me on there to help, help everybody learn. So one patient and one doctor at a time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. We'll see you next time. Thank you again. Thanks. Bye.